This is Casey Jost, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast with Elias. And I'm Casey Jost. And if you want to see what's going on with me, good luck. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias. Casey, welcome to the cave. Uh, it's great to be here. What a nice, it's decorated so well. What a beautiful cave. Um, you know, it's, it's different. It's more of a man cave than it is a traditional, you know, uh, cave that maybe a caveman would have. Right, right. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. It is funny. I never really thought about how man cave is a flip on caveman. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, you're right about do, that. Do most of your guests break down the name of your podcast? They, uh... They kind of do like a similar intro, like you, you know, like oh, it's great to be here. You know, if you, I had a few comedians come on here saying "dark in here, turn the lights on." Nice, good old, good go. old stuff. We're all the How's, same. There you go. How's that quarantine life treating you? Not great. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say not bad, but I think I I would lead with not great. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's just tragic in the way that like it's hard to see family because of the the guilt that you would get if if you know, God forbid, anything happened. So. Uh, t- I, in general, like to see a lot of people, not just family. I like to see, you know, uh, friends and uh, just people on the street without masks. I mean, I'm glad to see them wearing masks. Uh, That's my stance. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just hard to connect with people. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and now it's getting to the point where you're more like, we need this to end. Hopefully, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Because like, some people, you know, it's getting to them mentally, you know, like, just, they can't do anything. It's getting to me. I mean, you know, for sure. I completely, I, you know, I identify with, with anybody who's feeling like uh, lost or, uh, you know, uh, you know, like I just recently also got a dog and that's like made the quarantine all over again <laughs> because it's a puppy. So I'm kind of like, not only, I, I, you know, she just got her shot so she could go outside, but for two weeks, like I couldn't take her really on the streets of Brooklyn. And it was kind of this thing of like, wow, I can't believe I'm like now double handcuffed, but you know, you get a, or I'm also getting a new perspective on something. So there's like a lot of love there. I have like a new job, which is a puppy, which is fun learning experiences, but it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's defeating. Right. Right. So man, you've been busy for a few years now and actually I got a funny little story, but we'll talk about that. You know, you're the senior producer of Practical Jokers. You're the writer. I mean, you've done everything for that show. And you've also performed at UCB, right? Yeah. So do you ever have, instead of the quarantine, you know, the quarantine and everything, do you ever have any downtime before that? Uh, yeah, you know, a good amount. We'd have, we'd have a lot of like in-between seasons where we would have, you know, it's funny is like right before the quarantine, right before we started in like January, we had like three months off. It was the largest break that the Jokers had ever gotten. Like there'd be times that like the writers or, you know, the producers and all, you know, everybody who works on the show would have some time off, but the guys would always tour and do other like, you know, promos for things. And, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they were working on their live show and then we'd be filming constantly. So they never really in, in like almost eight years or something, they really didn't have much time off. And then they got a solid, like, 
three months off. Wow. So we were happy for them, although I hate to not work. Um, but it was weird to have like three months off and then start up work and then within a month or two have to stop. Mm. Uh, I think two and a half months or two, two, yeah, two and a quarter months. And uh, it was, it was wild because the guys now I was talking to them, I was like, isn't it insane that you were like begging for a break? And then when we came back like soon or something, even after three months, and now it's like, wow, I'd love to be working. Right, right. So funny story, we met a few years ago when the Practical Jokers toured at the Bushnell, Connecticut. Do you remember that show? Oh, wow. I mean, how long ago was that now? So I was trying to remember what year it was, but it was like the episode that aired before the show was the Scoopsy Potatoes. Okay, Which episode? Wow. What season was that? Do you remember? I think that's season three. Okay. So it was before the Jokers like blew up to even bigger what they are now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, every yeah. season has sort of gotten bigger in a weird way. You just don't expect it. Yeah. So I, so we met there and I remember you opened for them. Mm-hmm. You did a few jokes on, and then you also played the guitar also, man. Like, how exciting was it doing something like that? Yeah, it was, it's always really fun to open for those guys um, because the audience is, is there to have fun. The audience, like, you know, the Joker audiences are really fun. Um, and then, you know, uh, that show is probably like the biggest show I had done at the time. And then every time I've opened for them, the shows have gotten bigger, you know, like uh, we did radio city music hall uh, around like December or, or so. Yeah. And that was, that was really insane. That's that, that was one that I'll like, that's like a landmark show that I'll never forget. So you're originally from New York, right? Yeah. From Staten Island. Yeah. How was it growing up there? It was good. I, you know, I had a really, uh, the, I think one of the problems in, in my comedic career is I had such a good childhood. Um, I think I should have been struggling more to, and I think I'd be better off for it in some ways, but, um, no, I, I you know, I, I, it was pretty great. And, you know, I, I had a lot of fun, a lot of good friends and a lot of, you know, people to, to bounce ideas off of and yeah. collaborate with and have fun. So like when you're growing up, like, uh, how old were you and you kind of had an idea that you wanted to get into the comedy world and writing and producing? I guess I was like a, a kid that was a fan of like Chris Farley and I was like a chubby kid. And so I, I definitely like identified with, you know, wanting to make people laugh. Um, I liked physical humor. I liked like kind of improvisational or situational stuff like in class. So I, I remember at a young age, like making my friends laugh and then saying things like you're funny and loving that feeling. So, you know, and then the other part was like meeting other people who I found funny and laughing with them. And so that's kind of what the ride has been like with like jokers and stuff like that uh, or any show or any project I've, I've gone. That's what I like seek is like just laughing with other people and making stuff. So like, I mean, everybody knows your brother Colin from SNL and everything. Like what's the age gap between you two? Um, three years, he's three years older. I'm, I'd like to say I'm like 10 years grayer. Um, <laughs> 10 years gray. Yeah. So like when you guys were like growing up and everything, did you guys like, like do projects together? Like, did you like both talk like, this is what we want to do when we get older? Like, what was the whole thing like growing up with each other like that? Um, I, I would say no. Like, you know, I, I think at a younger age, we, you know, we didn't get along We're like, you know, we fought like brothers do yeah. like, three years apart which is like, if we were a little closer, I feel like I'd be able to like give him a run for his money. And then like, we'd like have that mutual respect because we're both like maybe competitive. I was just a little too far away that he could like dominate me in most things. <laughs> and, and then also not far enough away that he was like a mentor. Although like 
growing like later in life just i lead by you know he he leads i follow his example is that what i'm trying to say yeah um but so i think like growing up we you know we didn't get along but i think there was something in both of us that we both liked to, to perform we had a very like kind of talkative grandfather and mother my dad had a really weird sense of humor so i think we liked comedy you know but it's not like we both were had a conversation of like this is the plan right right uh, and then when he and then you know throughout high school we had i remember in like seventh grade or so our parents got us into a theater it's like a summer theater camp which was funny because like all our friends from school were going to the exact same camp but for sports so they'd be walking in with like baseball bats and gloves and we'd be like going in with our no, I, not exactly, but we just, so I, but that was something I really liked to do is I into that, I'll continue doing that in high school. And I really liked doing improv and I liked performing more and he liked writing more. And then that's, then we sort of switched in that, like he was performing a lot and I was both kind of started at different places and ended up in, I can't even say the same place because obviously he's in a really, really good place. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So like so like how did that conversation go like even like with your parents and everything like when you first told them like you know i want to get this is what i want to do this is the industry i want to get into yeah i i think you know it's never exactly like i'm gonna sit down and talk to my parents about it it was just that i was i was pursuing you know a thing that i cared about and i didn't really care what they thought because i always had a side job and so i was always kind of you know, working and making money, like I, having multiple jobs, like if I was like a waiter or like I gave, you know, guitar and, you know, music lessons. And I, uh, I did like a grounds crew at a swim club. And I, I also taught diving at the same swim club wow. as I grew up doing that. So I was like, you know, I'd always have these like, you know, influxes of like, I, I sometimes have like three jobs at a time and then have one job. So I was always working and making money. So I don't think they were worried about like, at that point, my motivation to like, to work. But mm. I, I do think that my mom always wanted me to do, have a backup, whether it be like education, like in college more so she was like, get a teaching degree because then you could teach whatever, music or something and mm. still do comedy on the side. They were always like, oh, you're gonna do arts in some capacity. They always were like, you're gonna do comedy. They just, they just assumed it because it was the only thing it was like almost the only extracurricular thing I really wanted to do in like high school and college. Yeah. Um, like I played some sports and stuff, but they knew that that wasn't what really what drove me. And they knew I wasn't going to be a professional diver. Uh, but that was, uh, yeah. So I think like once I started getting into it and getting some jobs, they kind of loosened up. Although my mom still wanted me to be a firefighter up until like actually today, she would still, if, 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 <laughs> If I was like, hey, mom, can you get me in the fire department? She'd be like, I will try the hardest I can to make that happen. <laughs> you know, because my, my whole family, like, all came from, like, city jobs. Like, my grandfather was a firefighter. My mom worked for the fire department. And, we're, like, all our uncles were firemen. And so it was, like, a situation where it's not so much that she didn't want me to follow my dreams, but she was, like, also, like, the stability and the, 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 the brotherhood that comes along with the fire department is something that I think you'd really do well with and enjoy. So... There was that, that was, I wouldn't say it was pressure though. Mm. So um, when I was doing some research on you, you know, I, I read that you did the UCB. How did you, uh, there's some big names that came out of that school. Like, how did you uh, get involved with that? 
So in college, like I, like I said, I was doing like some, you know, a lot of improv and, you know, some stand up and stuff. And I had some roommates that, you know, we had just talked about what we had heard from the UCB theater, which was sort of a legendary, you know, even at the time, a legendary like theater that was coming up because, you know, you had like the groundlings in LA uh, and other schools. And then you have second city in Chicago and other, you know, schools but those were the big ones. And then UCB was like the one that was going to be the New York one. And it was already becoming that with, because of the talent that was coming out of it. And so my friend Matt and I, who also, you know, kind of went through the UCB program, he's now in LA, uh, Matt Cohen, he's a great writer. He, uh, he and I just talked about doing UCB when we graduate and I graduated first. And so I did it and uh, I just, you know, you just started taking classes there. And then, you know, five years later, it took me to get on like a house team and then I just kind of stayed on that, stayed in that system. And I stayed on a house team for like another five years. And then I got moved to a weekend team. And these are just like, these are words that might not make sense, but it was just sort of a, you know, putting in the time and effort and learning this, you know, form, which is like just improv, but like long form and just getting reps like any, any standup comedian would. Yeah. And, you know, shows that are at UCB, but also at the other theaters and just, or anywhere else, like a weird bar and like a you know the corner of a bar that's like a terrible basement show but it still introduces you to people like it introduced me to my wife um and introduced me to some of my closest friends and awesome. collaborators and has probably helped me get jobs yeah. uh it's so, actually like sal from impractical jokers was wearing a ucb shirt and i had known him through like some stuff like some smaller stuff he had done online um, with the, the tenderloins, tenderloins comedy. So I, I saw that he had a UCB shirt and I was like, oh, that's the way I could talk to him. I'll say that I'm taking classes, which I was. And then that kind of is the spark that like got us kind of talking all the time and him giving me free drinks at a bar just to hang out longer. <laughs> <laughs> so while you're like doing UCB, like what was like your goal at first? Was it like just improv? You want to try to keep with improv or was it more like stay on comedy? Yeah, there was a scene at UCB that like I still don't even feel like I I, I fully got in, even though like I yeah you know, I definitely did all the steps I you know. But there was this sort of like culture there that was like you know like any like club kind of like you know you have to get in or something. And I I guess I didn't fully care about that, although I was I, I you know I knew about it and like I I kind of like was aware of it and whether at certain times I was like invited to things or you know i don't know i had to describe it you know it sounds like elitist and you know it is in some ways but i just wanted to meet other people that i liked that and, and follow like the, the the protocol or like the the pattern that sort of worked for people is like you take classes you take like you know there's a 101 or 201 up to like a 501 and now there's even like an advanced study thing just take all the classes as many you know as i could afford and then hopefully get on a team you audition and I auditioned like three or four times I got on a team um and then just stay on a team and like until you know my quote-unquote career takes off but that's just there's so many people doing it not everyone can be you know like a Rob Riggle or uh Aziz Ansari or you know uh Donald Glover no and not everyone can be those people so yeah. it's the kind of thing of like I realized that pretty quickly and was like oh, I'm just gonna enjoy this ride which is that thing that you always hear is like live in the present or whatever. And I really just enjoyed it. Like I had, we had practice once a week and a show once a week. And like those teams that I was on, 
like I said, like it was really just like we were close friends. I barely remember most of the shows, but like I, I could remember just like all the laughs and like we'd go away, go away together. So it was really just, I guess my new plan at that point, instead of like, oh, I'm doing this for the, you know, to get huge, it was just like, oh, I'm having so much fun and continuing in this like art form that I care about. It was like, oh, that's the goal now is just to be able to do this as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And I was continuing, like up until quarantine, I was still doing a show every Saturday night at uh, UCB. Mm -hmm. So, And of course, and you still perform stand-up too, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, more infrequently, I do it and then I'll kind of get tired of like my set because I, I think because of the improv nature of things, I definitely like making up new stuff all the time. So I would, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always say yes to almost every opportunity. So if anyone's like, oh, hey, do you want to do my show? I'll be like, yes. And then I'll get like, maybe I'll do a few shows leading up to that show. Like, like when the guys asked me to do Radio City, I think at, at that point I hadn't done a show maybe in like a, a month, let's say, or two months or something. Maybe not that much, but then I'm like, okay, I got to book like three shows before I do this show. Right. And then I'll try out and work on that set until that Radio City show. And that's sort of now at the level where I'm at. Whereas in the past, I would just tr seek any show I could or meet people who did shows and try to, you know, but really I'm not like a, a stand-up stand-up. Like, you know, I think if, I, if a stand-up comedian that I knew was listening to this, they'd be like, oh, Casey does stand-up because I would do it as much as I can, but I'm also not going to clubs. I'm not waiting in line at like, you know, the comics, no, the comic strip would probably, you can't do that. It's not like that, but you know, no, no, no. Yes, that is it. The comic strip would like allow stand-ups yeah, like midnight, right? Yeah, kind of come in, sign up on a list, and if there's room, you could get on it, but you might not perform. Um, I was thinking the, the seller, like you have to, you have to actually audition and all that stuff. But um, yeah, like I wasn't, I'm not that kind of person because I also had, luckily, luckily, always had a job since like around 2010. So like in comedy, so I, I, I didn't, I wanted to kind of focus on that as well and not do stand up as much. And I'm, and additionally, I'm lazy. I'm a little bit lazy. But like, <laughs> I'm not going to, I mean, I, I still do shows constantly with like improv, but it's tough sometimes to like work a full day and go to maybe like an improv rehearsal and then try to do stand up, you know, or whatever the week is like. But I probably could have hustled a little bit more and be, been farther in stand up. But um, you, you want to do, you want to do what you have passion for too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's the other thing, like you had mentioned before with like playing guitar, like in the, in the comedy bits like i've always really loved kind of stuff too and trying to incorporate music in into my stand-up and like more of a variety mm. um yeah i was told to ask you are you still uh, in the band there uh less vinyl yeah oh yeah sort of well so we uh, that band that we've been playing with for a long time i grew up like playing in bands and i feel like i'll always write songs that are just like a rock song or something you know i don't know how to describe it that's not like a comedic song i mean um but I, I want to do a new record with them. We haven't done one in a couple of years. And I had released like three kind of solo albums that were just like, like I said, just like songs uh, that I had been recording on my own. And then I, I kind of had the idea recently, like, oh, something fit really well with the band. So I've been like kind of seeing if they fit with them. But I thought it would be easier to record at this point in the, in the year. I thought it would be like, oh, if we're like in a somewhat ventilated area, we could take turns recording. But I think it's still kind of dicey in july of 2020 oh yeah so how did you get your start with uh with the practical jokers so you know it's it, it was a pretty small show so i think people might think like oh like 
I must have had to submit packets and you know got on their radar like you would with any other show but remember when this show started it was like not a show it was it was a pilot and then it got picked up for eight episodes but it hadn't aired yet on true tv which was like a brand new network or a network that was just starting to try comedy they had done you know reality television um so it wasn't the process like that the process was that i knew sal and we were like doing a lot of comedy stuff together on the island uh, with some other friends. And he was like, Hey, I'm starting the show. At this point I had been, I had written for a late night with Jimmy Fallon. I was there for six months and then was just kind of let go. Um, and then he was like, Hey, we're doing this pilot. I don't know if you are, or this, this show, like, you know, if, cause the pilot they had already filmed like during that time, they were like, we don't have really room for like a writer or, but we, if you want a PA and I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just came from like a network show and I was like, I don't care. I'm, I would love to work with my friend Sal. Like, you know, I'm going to check my ego and just be like, yeah, it's going to be fun. And it was like backbreaking work. It was like picking up vans at 4am. I would also be like writing comedy stuff, like with the guys, like coming up with ideas, like since the beginning and in meetings, um, you know, like, Oh, what should the show be like? You know, we're still kind of carving out what the vibe of the show was in some ways uh, early on, but, but that was kind of the process was like Sal vouched for me. I met the other guys and then eventually, cause not even right away, but eventually they sort of accepted me that, that I had good ideas because you know, you got to remember like the four of them are this like really tight knit comedy group that have been working together for a long time. And here I am just a friend of Sal's. So they were like, who's this person? And then like they, to their credit, they gave me a real chance and they, uh, they've always been so like um, nice to me and always throwing opportunities my way. Mm -hmm. Uh, how how involved were you with the movie? Um, not too involved with the writing process because we were still working on the show. So the guys really just kind of did that themselves. And with this guy, Chris Henshi, who's a funnier die guy, he directed it and wrote it with them. And he came up with a lot of the narrative ideas. Um, and I basically just did that part where the, that they wrote for me, uh, that like uh, assistant to Paula Abdul. And they were also like improvise on set. And like, so when we were filming, they were like, try this and like say something else for this part. And it was really fun, which I, I, I have a good amount of background in that. Sorry, my dog is, um, no, no, it's okay. Shoot toy. Um, but yeah, so, so the movie was kind of like that where it was like, I went to where they were filming and I did that scene, but that's a kind of about it, you know? And, and when they were working on the movie, I remember like going to meetings and like, you know, tossing some ideas, like anything that they do, I'm not, I'm like lucky enough to be in the room and maybe offer up a little advice or offer up a few little ideas. Like if it's the live show or, or the movie. And I think a lot of times I offer up ideas that they don't use, but sometimes they do. And so it's nice um, just to be involved in that way. Now with the whole COVID and everything, like what's their plan to, you know, to start recording again? Like, are they going to wait it out? Yeah. I think like they want to be as safe as possible while also doing it as soon as possible because they know that there's a lot of crew members that rely on this job. Um, and, and, and also a lot of fans that want to see the show and they also are just like, want to get out of the house. So they, they definitely are down to, to, um, to do the show again. And I think that this time has made them like really, not that they needed it, but like really love the show all over again in a new way. They've also been watching more of it, I think, because it's been on and they've been home, which right. like is rare. So I think I remember like talking to Sal 
And he was like, yeah, watching the, I watched inside jokes. I love it. <laughs> like, that's so funny because he's never really watched it. You know, he doesn't have time I and mean, like, you know, they're, they're busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so, so I think that as soon as they feel like it's safe, not only for them and crew, but like the people who the crew and they see like their family members, they don't want to track it or help. And then we'll have some ideas that are, that are safer first. Like we'll mm. do like maybe focus groups where it's like more contained, less people, more screening and less just general public messing with people. Cause we don't really, not that we ever mess with people, but like we involve the public. And so we don't want to mess with people's um, good times or, mm. you know, like if someone's just tr- coming to the grocery store and coming back home, maybe they don't want to be, you know, maybe they don't want to hear Joe blow a fart kiss at. Right. Them. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. So you've written a few songs and tunes for the show. Like, what's been like your favorite? Um, I mean, favorite. You know, it's funny as I just I just watched a clip where Q is like the doing the meditation, and I made this like really dumb meditation song that has this like weird like, vocal fry thing in the middle of it, and I made that because I just like the idea of this like bonkers meditation. You, but it just cracks everybody up. So that was that was one I just watched that I was like, oh, that's funnier than that's. I've been that took no work. I basically just like recorded a real ambient track and I laid in like a sample of like an insane voice and changed the effects on it. Um, But in terms of like songs, I really I've always really liked the pet cremation grandparent divorce jingle because I grew up loving jingles like Salino and Barnes or like. like you know just you know the like Wrigley's or whatever it is like I love commercials uh and like jingles and so so to make one that was like an homage to some of my favorite um was that one so so yeah some of those are my favorite what about the whose phone is ringing yeah I love it you must get asked a lot about that a little bit I mean yeah that one's the the biggest in a way because uh, people always want it for like their actual ringtone and the funny thing about that is there are like people who make fake versions and they sell them. And I think that they've outsold me. I've seen that what on, to do. When, last night when I was like on iTunes, I was like looking up a few things and I was like, let me see if this song is on there. And there's like about seven different versions. So I don't know what to do because I, I think I need to talk to somebody with legal advice because my first thought was like, if I'm coming at them to like for taking my IP, I, I think the Baja men are going to come at me because it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, like who let the dogs out in a weird way, you know, but I don't know, like it's different enough. I've made sure to like try to make it different enough, but I'm also like, look, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of stealing. So, you know, good luck to the scammers, yeah. or, you know, scam boning me. Um, do you come up with like any of the punishment or is that just like the jokers? Yeah, I, I, I try to, you know, I, you know, we all generate ideas. Um, and, yeah, definitely. There's definitely some punishments or even just like when we brainstorm, like I think like uh, I was just thinking because I saw the clip of it the other day. There's that one where the guy like we knew that we wanted to get into Sal's house and um, like when he wasn't home and do some stuff. And so Gatto like loved that idea. He wanted to do that. And he was like, I'll get the key from Sal's mom. We'll go in and film. But like, what do we do? And I think I kind of had the idea to be like, it should Sal should be presenting like a thing, like a don't sweat the small stuff so that he's presenting to people like how to keep your cool. Meanwhile, his friends have been like running rampant in his like house. So that gave us sort of a narrative or like a, like a, 
how to play the idea of like when they're in the house that like kind of there's no sound and they're just there the cat's on the bed he's on his toilet but like it looks like almost like an infomercial or something so that that's kind of how it works sometimes it's like maybe maybe one person one of the jokers will pitch an idea and then we'll all kind of like talk about it and um you know see like how we want it the best and and it always like it's it's never like my idea or your idea like with the guys or with me it's usually like everyone just agrees on which one's yeah. the best way to play it and it's like whichever gets the biggest laugh from everybody it's it's rare i mean i would say it's almost never that anyone's like no my idea is better it's usually just like um like a, a rocket ship going up in excitement every time it's like what about this 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 and then it's like <laughs> that's that's how the that's yeah. how the punishment happens is there like a punishment that you regret like making one of the jokers do um you know like you felt bad I, after a while you're like oh man like maybe we shouldn't have done that or yeah i mean there are some that i don't like claim um like you know i guess ones where like sal either has to piss his pants or get pissed on <laughs> oh wait, that's uh, not that was that in the uh, in the was that in that room where they were locked in yeah i mean it's fine i have no i i don't want to say like it's a bad idea i just yeah. think like you know what i mean like too much like when and then when it happens where he gets peed on you're like what's all this pee play we're doing um but not that i wouldn't say like i regret them i just think that they're odd compared to some of the other ones but even so like there are other ones like where mer gets like um a uh what's it called what's the thing a proc a proctal exam or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. and then he gets a second opinion i mean we were clamoring for a third opinion a fourth opinion <laughs> you know because you know it's it's something that like in my mind it's something that every man kind of should do around 40 and that's where the idea came from like Murr should do this it's good for his health and there's something to like you know like would anyone like to volunteer and then that's all he has to do in the punishment and we also know Murr's like limitations and stuff and not that he likes to do stuff like that but he does there is a part of him that knows afterward where he's like in the moment he's like this is embarrassing afterward he's like that's so funny like you know he's like i would yeah. do the same thing to you guys that that that's the thing that we know that's the secret sauce that we know about the that the show is like Q is going to hate this, but then later on, he's going to be like, that was a good idea. That was funny, you know? And that's kind of the, the thing that we, we swing for every time. We try to push the limits, but not push it too much. Um, well, well, the Jokers have a pact also. It's like you have to do the punishment or the challenge. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where the, you have to stop filming because they might the not do one, it? Or? The, the hardest one was the, 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 para, the, the, the jumping parachute? out of the plane. Like, yeah, the, the Murr skydiving. Um, that, was the, that was the toughest one. But we really knew that he also did have like want to get over that fear. And we, we like he had said like in the past, like privately, like I would jump out of a plane. It terrifies me. I don't want to do it. Like, you know, as like a fun recreational thing, like almost like a bucket list thing. Yeah. And then Joe clocks that right into his mind and is like, well, one day I'm going to I want to do that as like a punishment. Um, but in the moment there, he was like, no, I don't want to do this. I wasn't ready for this. This came out of nowhere. But they knew like they were like, Mer, come on. Like and then they they brought up that pack that they had said, like, which is like, you can't turn down a punishment mm. um that being said like i mean you know like there there in in challenges there's times that like joe has to say something about his wife or something he won't do it and the guys know that like in a challenge they could get away with that but they're not going to make a punishment where they like push her off a cliff or you know right. what I mean? like right. it's like they're they're you know kind people as a writer for the show is it getting harder and harder for you to write things because you know the jokers are getting recognized in public yeah i think um but honestly from season two that was the case like 
after season one, I was like, are we going to have to wear mustaches? And, yeah. And no one knew the show, like relatively. And still, it's so often that people don't know the show. But that's like our number one question we get. And, you know, the honest answer is like, yeah, it's harder. It's definitely, it gets harder every year. But um, there's still so, like, there's still so many New Yorkers who don't watch the show. Like, I have friends that don't even have televisions. Mm-hmm. And they don't, I have close friends that have never watched the show. Because <laughs> they just, you know, like, they, they just not what, they just not what they're into. They watch drama. Like, I even don't watch a lot of comedy now. I watch, like, I've been binging, like, Friday Night Lights and Mad Men and... <laughs> uh the sopranos like that's kind of the shows that i like watch um and then if i am watching tv it's usually just you know anything that guy fietti's in uh shark tank yeah <laughs> that's, uh, that's yeah <laughs> do you, what about challenges for like producing this show um oh good question yeah i i, I think that it's it, i try not to let that limit me in come, like coming up with ideas. Like I try to approach everything with the idea that like of the person who doesn't know them. Mm. I have come up with some ideas in the world of like actually like being with our fans and they don't know that something's going to happen. Um, I think I could say this here. I pitched an idea recently. I don't know if they're going to do it, but um, where at a Joker's like meet and greet, <laughs> they have to dress in camouflage. Like they have to dress as other people, you know, like almost we have a game that's like uh nah dog. That isn't me where they have to go up to the same person in different costumes. Yeah. Those are just funny. And, yeah. Yeah. So I want to do that <laughs> where like maybe all four of them are on the floor, but they've dressed each other or they're allowed to dress themselves around actual fans and whoever gets like whoever gets called out the at la, like last wins. So they you know they dress themselves to sort of like disguise themselves and in around other fans at like a meet and greet or something and, and like inevitably I think people will be like wait are you Sal you know um and maybe they take turns interacting. So that's like an idea that's that's that that's like using the fans but in a way that they wouldn't even know yeah. and like those are people that would sniff out the jokers immediately i don't know maybe i shouldn't have said that but if i get if i get fired it's your fault oh, thanks so uh how much involvement do you have with the with the dinner party episodes a good amount um they brought me on to you know to help produce those and the stuff i do with that is like uh like we had an episode where sal's dad reads grace and so like i i, I came up with that and wrote that and with sal you know and we we like we i think uh sal like filmed that from you know obviously a safe distance um and uh, some stuff with like Q's trainer in the last episode that we just did. Uh, I, I like, I wrote that for Q's trainer. So I, I'm always kind of trying to generate other ideas, but also talk to them. My, the thing that I like to do the most is that they have the best ideas, obviously. So I try to talk to them each individually, like the, the week of the show several times. And I'll be like, what do you want to do? And I'll help them navigate. Like it maybe Joe will say, hey, is anybody else having a guest call in? And I'll hear that the answer is no. So I'll be like, no, there's no guest. So he's like, okay, I'm going to book the guest. So just tell them not to book a guest. And so I'm basically just like the keeper of secrets between the four of them. Um, And there's some stuff that like they all know, like which, you know, what food is being made. But then I know like who's making the meal, Calabash make it or ordering, you know. Um, So that's kind of the, that's the, that's sort of my role is to help 
produce them. Or if Joe says to me, Hey, I want to get like my family to do this thing with like, and then have like the, the skeletons at the end, be my parents, like these ideas, like I, I help facilitate that kind of stuff. So it's like coming up with ideas, but also f- like, you know, fulfilling their dreams. <laughs> Are we going to get any more episodes of inside jokes? Uh, we just did some new podcast episodes. We went back and did like, I did some see that. Ep- yeah. Episodes from season one and two and some early episodes. And we have, we have two great ones where Q and Sal are on the podcast for the first time, I think ever. Um, but so th- that's sort of what we're doing, but no, I, I, in terms of inside jokes, we have some other ideas of like little specials and things we could do, but I don't know where they're, they're like kind of living in development land. Like I don't, you know, there, there's other people higher than me that are, making yeah. those decisions so has I, there been so. has there been another season that's already filmed like ready to come out for jokers yeah we have about i'd say like two and a half episodes like ready really only like one or two punishments uh so we we couldn't start airing them because it would be like maybe two episodes right uh, we talked I, I don't know we I, it would be nice to show them in some capacity because i think like the guys are going to look different by the time we film again i don't we're, we're going to have to figure out a way to like how we're going to put that that already shot stuff together because there's just been a huge gap uh but it, it's really good stuff so mm-hmm. i'm excited so when when we're when me and you were emailing back and forth you mentioned uh you know, Matt Cook. Yeah. Tell me, tell us about that. How'd you guys meet? Okay. He's, so Matt, he's, a, he's a funny guy. Matt Cook, he's the best. He's so funny. I mean, he's like one of the greatest storytellers of all time. He's just like incredible improviser and comedic mind. Uh, so he and I went to college together. We met in college. Uh, we both really liked to drink. The things we drank then and the things we drink now are very different. I think he was like a rum and Mountain Dew guy. <laughs> and I was probably like a you know, uh, Bacardi and Coke zero or something like, you know what I mean? Like we drank like college kids, I guess, but, but like we spent a lot of time doing improv together and like, we were just big fans of each other. After college, even though he moved to LA, like anytime I go to LA, which isn't as much as I think people like quote unquote in the industry, um, would imagine. But anytime I go there, anytime he goes here, each other we get mad at each other like I, anytime i go there i like seek him out i try to spend a good amount of time with him and if, if i even like hear that he's even in new jersey i'm like you better come visit he's such a good guy and uh I'm, it's cool that you uh you guys that you interviewed him for the podcast yeah and right after that show got canceled right? we're like so bummed about it I, like i emailed him saying you know like yeah he, he was pretty bummed out about it yeah of course i mean he's gonna be okay but like yeah, yeah it's a bummer Casey, so what's uh what's next for you, man? What do you with any other any other projects? Um I during the quarantine, like I, I did a bunch of like these little music videos for my Instagram and I, I, I encourage people to check that out. Uh I hit, hit hit like a little creative wall or it was not not so much a wall, but like once I started working on dinner party, it was like kind of scratching the itch to make stuff. Yeah. And so it kind of took it away from like just like writing the song, like doing like comedic songs or kind of coming up with my own videos. And also I just feel like there's not really, I, I personally don't feel like I have a, um, uh, like a venue for like a, uh, a platform, you know, I, to create, like, I don't really love Instagram as a, as like a, 
as a place. I don't like love like a, like a YouTube or Twitter. Like I don't really feel like there's a platform that like speaks to me. I, maybe it's TikTok. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about that that I'm like, I, it just seems like it, it's, it's there and then it's gone in a way that I, not that I care so much about my art, you know, but, but like, it's just, I, I'd like something new, something like cooler or something different. Mm, yeah, um, I can see that. You know, hey, I, Instagram's kind of the best for that, that kind of thing that I was doing, which was like just making a song with a music video and putting it there. It's like perfect for mu- music videos, but it's also not really what people, people go there and just endlessly scroll quickly. So it's not really people's attention spans. Are yeah, I, I don't even think people read description. They just see a picture and they just click yeah. on it. That's what I think too. But I would like to maybe like I do a podcast with my friend Joe and that's fun. It's called the JV Squadcast, and we do one every week. We took a little hiatus, but now we're back. We're doing one every week. Um, we really, we rarely miss. And that's like fun. That's like a fun little like therapy fun session with me and my friend. Uh, but I'd like to do maybe expand, do other kind of podcast stuff. If you have yeah. any advice. I don't know. I mean, you could always, you, I'm sure you've met a lot of people. I'm sure you could always have a guest each week. Yeah, I guess I am. It's not a bad idea. I wanted to do an idea called, um, I always love the name Michael. It's a really stupid thing about me, but I, I wanted to do a, a podcast where I interviewed like a Michael with a last name that's A, a Michael with a last name that's B, all the way through Z. And it could be interesting. I, you might find some funny characters out there. I know. I mean, I, and part of me was like, oh, I could get a lot of people I know. I probably know somebody with every single letter. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm dragging my feet on it. But we might, hopefully we get to do some more dinner parties. And so I like being busy and I like, being forced to do work rather than coming up with my own work. I don't know. Right. Probably other people feel that way too. It's hard to sometimes find the motivation. And now I got to take care of a puppy. So that's a lot of work too. No kids, right? Do you have kids? No kids, no, no kids. kids, no kids on the horizon so far. No. Maybe in the future. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say this is a, you know, it's a bleak time I hate to say, yeah. it. but even before that, I was always kind of on the fence. Now I, I say this because I talk about this very openly. But like, if I have a child and, it, and that child is listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast right now, then I apologize that I said that. Um, but as for now, I, as where I am right now, I don't want you, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, Sorry, kid. Uh, how can the listeners find you on social media? Um, it's at Casey Jost pretty much everywhere except for TikTok. I missed out. I, uh, I don't really have a TikTok and I think somebody else stole my name. So um, don't go there for me. By uh, J-O-S-T. All right, Casey. This was fun. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's delightful to talk to you. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, the MCCPodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.